Welcome to Game Set Life, and it's one of my favorite times of the week. I'm here with one of my heroes, Rick Macy. He is the Hall of Fame tennis coach, but an amazing mentor, teacher as well to so many people off the court. And it's such a blessing to have you here with me today for our new show. Thank you, Rick, for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Last week was beyond epic, and today's going to be even better. Uh, We have an extraordinary guest today. You, you wouldn't think we'd be able to one up, you know, I was worried about bringing Austin Eckler on last week. Cause it's like, okay, the poor guy that follows Austin Eckler, you know, what's he going to do? Well, I think we're, we're breaking records all the time. Like he has, cause he's a 10 time world record breaking explorer. He is uh, a top speaker, which anytime I can get on the same stage with Colin O'Brady, it's an honor to be with him. It's like sharing a tennis court with Serena Williams. And he's also, by the way, a New York Times bestselling author. And I actually not only read his last book, but I did it, uh, which is uh, incredible. And he wrote a book called The 12 Hour Walk. Welcome to Game Set Life. Our incredible guest, Colin O'Brady. How are you, buddy? Good to see you, my friend. Great to be here with you. Yeah, I got Colin. The, uh, welcome. I'm I'm excited to have you. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, great to be here with both of you. It's awesome. Well, I had to introduce you to my new friend, uh, Rick Macy, because you guys have so much in common. And you know, I haven't touched on this subject, but I want you to give a little bit of background on the inspiration of the 12 hour walk. And then I want to get Rick's kind of input in why he thinks this is so important to do to invest one mind and unlock your best self. Uh, Give me an idea what inspired you uh, with this idea of a 12 hour walk. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll try to keep it concise. But uh, the origin story is, you know, in 2018, I was the first person in history to walk across the entire continent of Antarctica solo, um, unsupported and fully human powered. So uh, in short, I I drag I drug a 375 pound sled with all my food, gear and supplies uh, a thousand miles across the frozen continent, um, becoming the first person to ever do that. There's all sorts of ups and downs and stories, as you can probably imagine. Um, But I was actually racing another guy head to head, this badass military uh, British guy, um, Captain Lou Rudd. And it, he he kicked my butt the first week, quite honestly. And I caught up to him, um, and then I realized a I wasn't going to be able to stay in front of him, and b I was going to run out of food if I didn't go from. I thought I could never go more than ten hours per day, and I finally said, you know what, I got to go twelve. And I tried that just once. Like I did this one time, and I still had fifty days in front of me. I thought that's the absolute limit of my capacity. I did it once. Um, but but Rick probably see this with his his tennis stars and things like that. You prove yourself, you can do it once. You go, wait, can I do that one more time? Can I do that one more time after that? Got one it. more time after that, right? You you completely level up. And so for the next literally 50 days in a row, 12 hours became my norm. And I found these deep places in my mind, these deep places of flow and peace and calm uh, in the silence and the stillness of the solitude. So fast forward to uh, COVID when we we're all locked in our houses and I was, uh, I found myself um, kind of just disrupted from my normal, typical, positive, uh, peaceful mindset, you know, in that moment in time. And I said, when was the last time I actually felt deeply connected with my mind, body and spirit? And I said, strangely enough, even though it was minus 50 degrees outside, even though Antarctica feel like it was killing me, even though I was starving when I was out there, I actually found this peace in the stillness and silence of these 12 hour days pulling my sled. And so during COVID, I walked out my front door and I went on a 12 hour walk, literally on my front door in, in Oregon. And when I came back, my wife looked at me and she said, you're back. I told her I was coming home for dinner, but she goes, 
you're back. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you are more calm. You are more at peace than you've ever been. So again, trying to be concise here, the, the long story short, the book, the origin, and ultimately what my, my goal is here is to inspire a global movement. And I'm so excited to hear that you have uh, now done the 12 hour walk, Dave. Um, but you know, we've had tens of thousands of people all around the world already do this in the first couple months, 40 different countries, six continents, people from all different fitness levels, ages, et cetera. I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not a race. It doesn't matter how far you go. You can take as many breaks as you want. This meets you right where you are but in today's society that is spinning out of control with distractions like we need to connect to ourselves at times and so being outside in nature alone for 12 hours um i haven't seen it have incredible incredible life-changing benefits and so i'm very passionate about uh spreading that message really for everyone um to, to tap into that inside themselves rick no, could, the, could you do no, it Dave, could you do yeah it? no listen the ripple the ripple from that and how Colin, you know, just inspires people, you know, to challenge your limits, not limit your challenges. I mean, it, it's beyond amazing. And this is what people, because I read his story. I didn't, I didn't know of Colin before you said he's coming on. And I glanced at everything and I thought it was Tom Brady. And I'm more than happy <laughs> to have Colin O'Brady on the show after I read his bio you know, not only is he on Mount Everest, in my mind, he's on Mount Rushmore. So getting that out of the way, what an amazing person wanting to give back, but more importantly, to share his story to help others. I think that's the underlying factor here. It's not like, you know, I won all these grand slams and I've done all this and the Explorer of the Year or whatever. That's the icing. But to give back to others, to want to help the world and to help others to me, that's the greatest gift any human can can do. So that's the that's kind of the common thread here that all of us had or have that we're helping others. We just have different conduits to deliver that message. But I, I love this guy we just met. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I have a question for both of you because it's really interesting, and I'm trying to understand human nature. Uh, historically, you know, I study history, all, all aspects of history, because I think the only common denominator is human nature never changes. And I think the most interesting thing that I picked up on, and I don't think you shared that part of the story with me, Colin, was the idea that I did 12 hours one day and then was able to do, and I thought that was all I was going to be able to do. And you did it for 50 straight days. And I see so many times in life that we take that measure. We say, you know what? I, I, I don't even know if I can do this one day. And then the next thing we know, not only are we doing that every day, but that's like our warm up. Uh, it becomes it becomes a warm up during a day. And I know Rick, you've seen it uh, with probably so many athletes. What is it about human nature that number one tells us? No, I, you know, this will only be one day. I can only do this this limited whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, because it is very sudden, everything else takes time. The very next day, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, and then it's 50 days or 365. What do you think it is about human nature that, you know, one tells us we can't. And then once we do it, it becomes the norm. Well, I think that 
you know, I love this question because it really is the core of um, what the 12 hour walk book is written about. And that's limiting beliefs, right? We, we as humans have this sort of protective instinct to tell ourselves what we can't do to kind of just keep at a base level and survive. Right. And I've asked people, you know, thousands and thousands of people, what's, what's standing in the way of you living your best life. And I didn't get thousands of different answers. I got 10 different answers, thousands of times, which is, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. What if people criticize me? What if I fail? You know, these are common limiting beliefs that we have, right? But these aren't truths. These are beliefs. These are in our own mind. And I'm a big believer that we are the stories that we tell ourselves, right? And so we get to choose that story that we're telling ourselves. And I imagine for Rick, you know, the athletes that he has, young athletes coming up, there's a difference between being like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to win this match or whatever, versus like, I'm going to win Wimbledon one day. You know, it's a 16 year old kid believing that, right? And saying that out loud and expressing that. And so a lot of the teaching and the 12 hour walk really facilitates this. I'd love to hear Rick's point of view on this as well, someone who I greatly Meyer, um, is I think that in our minds, we have a choice. And I believe that the mind is a muscle. We get to flex and develop it and train it. And if we allow the kind of uh, that negativity in that loop to take over us, that's the direction, you know, we go to. It's like a race car driver. You know, they say, don't ever look at the wall, right? They're always looking at where they're going next, right? They're actually training their mind to go in front of that. And so one thing I love about the 12-hour walk is even in when I suggest it to people, people are listening, they're hearing about it for the first time. What ends up happening, I don't care who you are, even someone who's really determined or whatever, some limiting belief pops up in your mind like, wait, what? You want me to turn off my phone? Like, I'm busy. I've got a job. I got kids. That's like, my right? like, you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> but what I love about it, I always say people that the 12-hour walk doesn't start when you walk out your front door. It starts in this moment because in this moment, me just suggesting it for you as a human, you can't help but react to that. And I'm holding up a mirror to you. But whatever limiting belief you might be applying in this moment, I don't have enough time or I'm too busy or I'm going to be uncomfortable. My feet are going to hurt by the end of it. I don't want to do that. Be aware of that because most likely that is the same limiting belief that is coming up for you time and time again. But to your question, Dave, when you prove to yourself that you can do something, that you actually prove it to yourself once, you do the 12 hour. Why go, oh, I had that limiting belief before. Or for me out there in Antarctica, I could never go more than 10 hours per day. Then you prove to yourself, not just in your mind, but actually somatically and experience that you did it. Oh, wait, I can win the next tennis match. I can win the next 10. I could go two hours further. I can do that. And like you said, now that becomes that winning mentality becomes routine and part of you. And you rewrite that story you tell yourself. No, absolutely. Listen, there's a lot to unpack here. You know, confidence breeds confidence. And what I do is I make kids do things. They don't want to do like whether it come to net or try this or try that. And then when I put them in a situation where it's more real, me not feeding the ball or close to an actual game situation and they prove it to themselves, they get the big C. OK, they get the confidence and that just stimulates more confidence. And when you don't think you can do certain things, it's amazing because if I tell the kid, will you do this if I give you one hundred dollars and they'll go. Of course I would do it. And I go, well, if you do it, you might win $100. So you got it backwards. It's a chicken and the egg type of thing. So that's a motivational thing with all the kids. They all have it backwards, especially in today's society. They want to take the escalator instead of the steps like you did, climbing those mountains back in Washington as a little boy venturing around, you know. So, no, what you just said is so powerful, you know, and once you do it, and then you feel better about yourself, you want to do it more. 
and more. And it takes on a life of its own. It's just initially getting going. And that's where I come to the plate and help motivate, educate, stimulate, and get the kids on the right path. To, I get people to believe and they have no reason to believe, but they just believe even though they're failing and failing. And that's the job of a coach or a mentor. And that's why I love when I read your story and everything you're doing, because it's just affecting millions of people around the world. I love it. And Colin, you know, when I read the book, my entire time in the back of my head, I was like, this is so good. It makes so much sense, but I'm never effing going to do it. And, <laughs> and, and, and and then this is in the back of my mind, like, there's no way I'm going to find 12 hours with no telephone and no interviews and no coaching calls and no coincidence. I'm, I study physics and quantum physics and metaphysics to try to figure out the math behind some of my theories uh, or some sort of semblance of math behind theories. And that next day, as I'm reading your book going, this is awesome, but I can never do it. Actually, which is really, I read Parkinson's law about how things fit into space and that, you know, if you tell yourself it's going to take me this much time to do it, to clean my garage, it's going to take you that much yeah. time to clean your garage. And the guy that says it's six hours, it takes him six hours. The guy takes six weeks, tells himself six weeks. So I utilize Parkinson's law to accommodate the 12 hours. So I took every, I, I, I knew my family was going to be gone one Saturday and I knew they were going to be coming home at four o'clock. And so I put all my interviews, coaching calls, shows that I had on that Saturday, which isn't as many as a normal weekday. And I said, I'm going to start at three o'clock in the morning and finish at three in the afternoon. And I'm going to somehow leave this telephone on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> After I meditate, I'm going. And oh my gosh, it was amazing how Parkinson's law fits into exactly what you were teaching and talking about with, by the way, super like you, Rick, this guy tells entertaining stories. So it goes so fast. Uh, you don't realize, you know, you're engulfed into this. Um, for me, my biggest takeaway was awareness that, you know, it's great to be active. Like Rick and I, we, we very rarely, I meditate for 20 minutes. Like I even put a time limit on my meditation, <laughs> uh, you know, it, but like my awareness increased so much since I've done that, that mm -hmm. I, I never noticed certain things and certain things resonate with me so much more. Did you find through your journeys, uh, you know, did you raise your awareness through these struggles? Absolutely. I, and I think that that's a, such a powerful and huge take home. And I hear that from, from so many other people. Um, that's certainly been a part of my journey with a deep meditation practice with spending time in the mountains and the solitudes of Antarctica and even myself having the 12 hour walk. It, it's in my own personal toolkit now, you know, it's a, it's a once per quarter type of thing for me, because what I realize is, look, I, I love that we can have this interview, you know, digitally, we can talk to millions of people. That's amazing. I love social media as a way to connect people and bring people together, right? So I'm not vilifying technology, right? But there is a moment in time in our pretty high, fast moving society and culture at this point, where we forget to look inward, we forget to take a second. And what happens is, I mean, 20 minute meditation on daily practice is amazing. But now and again, something longer, more extended, like the 12 hour walk, I, I hear this from people who do it, who, who send me feedback all the time, they go, you know, I thought after one hour or two hours, like I kind of got it. 
But it was hour nine, hour 10, hour 11, when finally the brain, the mind, the body fully relaxes. And maybe your body's a little more tired, but you find that flow. You know, maybe a tennis match equivalent is it's that fifth set, you know, 10th game or the fifth set where you're finally, you're exhausted, you're nipped, but you're just in it, right? There's the, the crowd is gone. The coach is gone. You're just fully in it. And I think that is, that's flow. That's awareness. And that self-awareness has such a ripple effect, not just in the moment of having it, right? As you experience, but the ripple effect throughout the rest of your life, right? What am I reacting to in my daily life? How am I treating the people that I love? How am I making decisions? Am I just reacting impulsively or am I actually having a little more self-awareness and attuning to my, you know, uh, you know, sort of mind, body, soul in those moments. And so, yes, I, I, that has been probably the most powerful gift for me and all the work that I've done through meditation, through my expeditions, through the 12 hour walk, having that self-awareness, because once you have that, you can be a better entrepreneur. You can be a better athlete. You can be a better friend, a better spouse, a better father, you know, all those things that starts with having that personal self-awareness. It's not just good for you, but it's selfless in the sense that it has that effect on all of those around you that you're also having an impact on. No, it's just so well put, you know, the tentacles that come off of this are more powerful than the actual event. And like you said, the ripple effect, and that's what everybody has to understand, but it's just getting going. And like you said, it's like a running back. Once they get in there, the more carries, they get stronger. Or when they start playing a match, they're not tired anymore. You know, you get going, it's just getting going, buying in and doing it. And, you know, you can, you can definitely change your life. There's no doubt about it. And Rick, what do you do just before we let Colin go? What do you do in respect to meditation? I mean, obviously you're a little bit more seasoned in being able to, you know, regulate a routine and a schedule, but you do wake up early. You run a half a mile every morning. We we talk about movement meditation. Are there certain things you do every day that give you the same type of results that a 12 hour walk would give you? Well, no, that's probably a lot more powerful, but you know, I'm, I'm at the park every day at five and I do a lot of zoom videos for kids in other parts of the world because there's a time difference. So a lot of times I'm in the parking lot by myself, you know, and it's just a downtime of quiet in a park, just me and a bird and a squirrel. And there's not a lot going on. And I just regroup and that tranquility is important or hanging out with my cat for 30 minutes when I get home and we have a nice conversation and I've, I've taught him more than some of my students. So <laughs> there is downtime and I, I, I need that because as you know, Dave, I'm always plugged in and I'm always there, but you need a little bit of that balance and it works for, works for me. I'm not saying that's the playbook for everybody, but you need a little bit of that just to, to calm down and then I'm ready to go the next day. One thing that I'll just jump in with that real quick is that I, I love that. And in all the work that I do, I do tons of work with kids, but I also do, you know, work with, you know, Fortune 100 companies and CEOs and things like that. And one thing that I found um, that a lot of people that are high performing do intentionally and I, and I definitely preach this, is to schedule in thinking time, right? The, the, the high power entrepreneur who's back-to-back meetings, a million things or whatever, like it's hard to say, hey, on, on Thursday between noon and 3 p.m., cancel all my meetings. I'm going to sit in my office by myself and just think. 
But it turns out the productivity in those moments, the creativity in those moments, that downtime, that reset actually is not taking away from the hours you have in the week. It's a multiple on an ROI of those hours. And so finding that, of course, something like a 12 hour walk, but like you said, the, the early morning hours when there's not so many other distractions, that downtime after work with a family member, a pet, just being able to sit and actually be right. That's what meditation is more than anything is just the presence of being um, opens up the door to so much more, you know, sort of exponential creativity and productivity. For me, me, Dave, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. If I didn't have that in the morning, that's why I get there early. You know, if I have a lesson at six, I'm still there at five. Just to think and have that good discussion myself. And it's it's powerful and it it works for me and it, it creates that balance and gets me going for sure. I'm going to submit a new treatment for a third book uh, for Colin, his next New York Times bestseller. It's going to be called The 16-Hour Flight. And it's for all the corporate guys like me that have to fly to Saudi and back and all over the world. And, you know, the best mechanisms to conquer your mind and unlock your best life on an airplane for 16 hours. I think that it would be a lot more acceptable in the corporate world. But I'll I'll submit the treatment. Just give it a thought, Colin, because I can't tell the stories like you do and give the lessons like you and Rick uh, throughout. But you are a perfect match for game, set, life. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. And thank you so much for providing me the opportunity to walk for 12 hours and raise my own awareness and frequency. It's really enhanced uh, that ripple effect that tentacles has enhanced my life completely. You're amazing, buddy. Thank you. Well, it's a great pleasure to be with you, David and Rick, uh, to meet you. I know this won't be the last time we connected. And I uh, I just got back from Qatar for the World Cup. So I did my own uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. 15, 16 hour uh, plane ride. So uh, I'll write the next book during that one. I appreciate <laughs> Dave, you guys. Hey, hey, Dave, before we let Colin go, just 30 seconds. Can he talk about the injury back in 2008? I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, the burn, I think it's because yeah. it, look, it's not like you just decide to be a triathlete and the rest is history. I mean, you had to climb a lot of mountains before you took on Mount Everest. So, could you just like, yeah, I'll throw that a, out there? yeah, I'll give a real concise retelling of that. Um, you know, you know, it's easy to sit here and, and look at me. Oh, Colin has 10 world records, or Dave was so kind to say such a nice bio on the top of this interview. I got some records on um, my jukebox downstairs. That's <laughs> all Go ahead. Uh, you, you've, you've been a part of setting some big records, my friend. Okay. Um, yeah. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, oh, this guy walked across Antarctica, you know, like I did. Turns out that, you know, 10 plus years, about 10 years before that, is I didn't, I couldn't walk at all. And I was traveling in 2008, a shoestring budget, middle of nowhere in Thailand. And I made the foolish mistake to jump a flaming jump rope. And it went terribly wrong. That rope wrapped around my legs and lit me on my body on fire to my neck. Uh, fortunately, the ocean was there, jumped into the ocean to extinguish the flames, which saved my life, but not before about 25% of my body was severely burned. Um, in the interest of time, I'll don't tell you all the rest of the details, but long story short, you know, I spent time in a rural Thai hospital. I couldn't be moved. I was in the middle of nowhere. I underwent eight surgeries where there was a cat running around my bed and across my chest in this ICU. Um, and it was a, a, a deep, deep, um, dark place in my mind. And the doctors told me, look, Colin, you will probably never walk normally again. Amazing. And had it been a left of my own devices, I would have believed that. But my incredible mother came by and she stayed with me in the hospital for a couple months. And she said, 
Colin, what do you want to do when you get out of here? Let's set a goal. That that confidence that Rick talked about with the confidence with a capital C, she just wouldn't let it go. She's like, you're, I'm like, mom, my life is over. She goes, your life is not over. What do you want to do when you get out of here? Let's set a goal. And I focused on triathlon, ended up becoming a professional triathlete, climbing all the mountains, blah, blah, blah. You know, the story goes on. But the long story short is it was my biggest and deepest challenge of my life in that moment. And had I been left to my own devices, it probably, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys, that's for sure. But I think the moral of that story and one of the morals for me is that all of us are going to face challenges in our life. You're going to have setbacks and you have an opportunity in those moments to say, can I learn from this? Can I grow from this? It's actually an accelerant towards growth and becoming stronger. I am stronger now in my mind because of what my mom taught me. And so when we go through a hard time, or for me, when I go through a difficult time in my life now, when I'm out there in Antarctica, it's minus 50 degrees, the wind's blowing at me, I could die if I make a mistake, whatever. I smile in that moment because I go, oh, this challenge, this setback, this hardship, this is opening up to the actual potential highest high peak moments of my life. I'd rather, you know, people say to me, Colin, are you afraid of dying? And look, I don't want to die. Like, people say, oh, you take these risks. I'm a, I am afraid of dying, purely. But what I'm more afraid of is not fully living. And fully living means stepping outside of that comfort zone. It means putting in the reps. It means you know getting up at 6 a.m. to hit balls with Rick because you have a big dream and you have a big goal. Putting in those reps, the challenge, the suffering, and overcoming some setbacks along the way to get to where you want to go. Well, it's amazing, Dave, because all roads seem to always lead back to mom. <laughs> a lot of common threads there. And I always tell the kids, you know, I don't want to make light of this, but I always tell the kids when they do well, they're on fire. I mean, his story is beyond amazing, and so many people can be motivated by this. If Colin can do it, I can do it, and that's what I love about this story. Yeah, I love, and I derive the faith that I'm always being protected and promoted to think about so many people that would have felt punished, and of course, it does take our mom or someone like our mom uh, to remind us and remember the fact that not only uh, is there something bigger than us that's omniscient, all powerful and all knowing, but it even loves us more than our mom. Therefore we are even in the hardest circumstances being protected and promoted. And then you carrying it through both of you in your lives to pass it on, to be influencers, to be in the flow, not influencers spreading the flu and disease to so many children out there, but influencers inspiring, even old middle-aged men like me, to go ahead and take a hike out back for 12 hours to change their lives for good. Thank you, Colin, for changing so many lives. I'll send you the treatment for the six-hour flight. We can co-author it if you'd like. Rick Macy, what an honor to have our guest. Thank you both. Uh, we'll see you soon, Colin. Take care, guys. Thanks for having Thanks. me.